Hi all, Danny here. Thanks to all of you going out and voting for us. We're so happy to say that we've been nominated for Best Podcast in the Football League category at the Football Content Awards. Now, we'd absolutely love it if you could help us to take home the crown by voting for us once again over at footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting and by tweeting the following sentence. I am voting for at cobblers to me in the at the underscore FCA's for hashtag best podcast. That's I am voting for at cobblers to me in the at the underscore FCAs for hashtag best podcast. Thank you so, so much for all you've done to make this happen. And please do go over to make your final vote. That's footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting. Hello, welcome to a special episode of It's All Cobblers to Me. I'm Charles, and what you're about to hear is the full recording from the Open Fans Forum at Northampton Town Football Club that was held on Thursday the 22nd of September 2022. I was hosting the event, and on the panel to answer questions from the fans were Chairman Kelvin Thomas, CEO James Whiting, and the Fan Supporters Director Representative, I think I've got his title right, Tom Cliff. Uh, Now, what you're going to hear is, first of all, uh, a little introduction to the crowd that was there from me, followed by a presentation by Chairman Kelvin Thomas. Now, this presentation is available on the ntfc.co.uk website. So go there and then you can look at the presentation and you can follow it along while Kelvin's actually going through it in more detail, if you would like, with the podcast. I'll make sure that there is a link to that in the show notes of the episode, so the little description, wherever you're listening to this, and that will link straight there for you. And then after about an hour or so, we then get into the Q&A. So if you want to... And then after about an hour or so, we then get into the Q&A. The guys at the club have said that if you do have any questions that weren't asked at this event, then you can email them. All their email addresses are available on the Cobblers website. Send them your question and they will get back to you. You might not like the answer that they give you, but they will reply, I promise you. Uh, That's it from me. Um, Apart from just to give you a little warning, a bit of a heads up. Unfortunately, I had a bit of an issue with one of the microphones, and so the audio isn't the best quality. You can hear it, and I have done my very, very best to try and make sure that you can hear absolutely everything, but I'm really sorry at times it is quite difficult and you really do have to concentrate. I apologise for that. I will do better next time, I promise. And hopefully it doesn't detract from the actual words and the answers and the questions and everything uh, that you're about to hear. Uh, Thanks again to the Football Club for inviting us to actually go and present the evening. We look forward to doing it again in the future. If you've got any feedback, then please just let us know. We're on Twitter, at Cobblers to Me, or you can email us, podcast at cobblers to me.com. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let me get you straight into the evening. So here it is, the Fans Forum from Thursday, the 22nd of September at Northampton Town Football Club. Hi. 
Hello everybody, welcome to Northampton Town Football Club. Uh, my name's Charles, I'm the host of the award-winning and now award-nominated again. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, podcast, it's all cobblers to me. Um, please go and have a listen to it. It's available on all good podcast channels. Uh, tonight uh, we are here at Sixfields. It's lovely to see so many of you. Uh, this is your opportunity as fans to basically grill these three people that are behind me and slightly to my right. So we've got Chairman Kelvin Thomas, CEO James Whiting, and I'm going to get the name or the title completely wrong, but it's Sir Tom Cliff, is that correct? Uh, fans uh, director, supporters director, I believe is the role on the board. Um, so um, what we're going to do and the way it's going to work is Kelvin's going to have a quick chat with you all. Quick is not the word that I would actually probably use normally, but hey-ho. Uh, so Kelvin's going to have a chat with you guys, and then after Kelvin's finished, that will be the point where we open it up to you guys on the floor. Any questions you've got about any subject, maybe related to football and the cobblers, please, um, then feel free. All you'll need to do, and I'll remind you this when we get to the Q&A part, is just stick your hand up and I will come over with the microphone, and then you can ask your question to the person that you wish to speak to. So... Kelvin, this is your time to shine. Uh, thanks, Charles. Um, hopefully everyone can hear me. Can everyone hear me? We're trying to set it up that we can you, can, uh, you either can see a screen, possibly see me, that's not, not the most important, but can everyone see a screen? Because we are going to go through um, a little bit of a PowerPoint. I'm, I'm a firm believer in these sort of events. It's best if we actually, you know, we show some of the stuff we're going to probably talk about, and then if you've got any questions on top of that, hopefully will answer some of the questions. So thanks to Charles and the team um, for, for organising this, putting this on, putting it out to our fans. Very impressed with Charles, as he's the only one here out of the four, so one out of four is not bad. Um, so what are we going to talk tonight? What are we going to talk about? So to give you an idea of what we are discussing tonight, East Standard Development, of course, it's the first question on everyone's lips. Um, relationship with the Trust Board, I think it's important as a club we cover this. Ticketing system and big screen. Fan-led review. Obviously, we're going to go into a bit more detail further on, but this is just a little summary. Supporters rep. 125th anniversary in community. Football investment. Question and answers. So, what's important is, is, is for us as a football club, we're here, and we are, and I do believe that we are an open and transparent and honest and approachable football club. And it's very important that we show that and and all the information is, I feel all the information is that we have is out on the website, et cetera, et cetera. But here's now an opportunity. So let, we'll get straight into because this is a important topic for the football club. East End development. It's been going on a long time, we know, and we're going to talk about why, et cetera. Um, I'm going to give you a bit of a timeline, um, a real timeline, I like to call it. Um, November 2015. We actually purchased the club, if we can remember that far back, without the land. We weren't even interested in the CDNL land. And we made an agreement to, to complete the stand when it's financially viable, when it made sense. Okay, which was meant to be straight away. I, I will address this, and I, and I say false narrative, because I did an interview just after, which said that, and the interview, and I've watched it a couple of times since, and I was a lot skinnier back then, but, <laughs> but I said, what I said was, we, had about, we thought it was about four million quid, working capital and stand is what we required. The false narrative is someone came up with the word ring-fenced, 
and all you ever hear now and all the accusation gets thrown at me is this money was ring fenced. Well, it was never said, but it doesn't matter anyway because we've invested more than four million quid anyway, and we still have the money for the stand. So that's just it's just another thing that gets sometimes gets thrown at us about you know oh you ring fenced money why are you not spending it? We'll go through the reasons why we haven't been able to spend it and you know. Some are our decisions, but some of them are out of our control. Following the purchase, we discovered major issues with the leases under the East End. Again, all this information we talked about at the time. In fact, we then actually put the seats in, even with those issues. And yes, it was funded by us and put in by the club at the time, funded by us. It wasn't bought by somebody else. The seats weren't sitting behind the stand, had already been bought. Issues came to light. Again, if you look at our website, we, we, we clearly, state, we clearly um, stated that there was an issue with insolvency and retention to title with Buckingham's. Um, and it's all, all of that is on, is on the website. And it basically created possibly a million quid problem for the football club. So what did we do? We decided to purchase, try and purchase CDNL and take it through, take it through a, 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 a CBA, which is an administration process, which meant that we now controlled the leases. We did it on behalf, at the time we had to do it as individuals, but we always said we did it on behalf of Northampton Town Football Club. We argued with the Northampton Borough Council, if you recall, for almost two years, saying there are problems with the leases. We were told by the trust, we were told by Jonathan Nunn, we were told by the council, there are no problems with the leases. We kept saying there were problems with the leases. Late 2018, Cabinet confirmed that the leases were in fact a problem. And if you go back to the Cabinet report, it actually said you can now move, as a council, we can move forward with potentially doing a deal with the football club because we can regularise these leases. But we did argue for two years about that and, it, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. So after further discussion, it was agreed with Northampton Borough Council that we would regularise the leases or even gain the freehold as part of a wider development. It was made perfect sense for the football club. October 2019, CDL, and, 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 and I probably should have a map up here, but if you look, if you, in simple terms, if you look at the wider area of development is owned by, is owned by CDNL, but who owns CDNL? Who knows who owns CDNL? Probably no one, do they? Who does own The football club. It's owned by the football club. In, 2000, in October 2000, we transferred the shares of from us to the football club. So it's, 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 it's a joint entity, basically. Well, I'm not sure that's the right word, legal term, but it's owned by the football club. Obviously, we all know 2020, 2021 COVID hit, which definitely slowed progress, and I think that's a reasonable reason for the progress to slow slightly. And also, we, you know, it's also sometimes forgotten that NBC transitioned to uh, West Northlands Council, which definitely just slow. In fact, we were told uh, the third quarter 2020 that we couldn't continue discussions with NBC because WNC, West North Fans Council, were going to take up that conversation. And April 21, when it was officially uh, and formally um, created, then discussions resumed. We held a very positive, we thought, open house at Sixfield, plans and CDI images. I've always said I don't want to you know, we never wanted to rush things and, and put things out there before we're ready. And we felt at that time we made significant progress that we could actually start talking about our plans a bit more. 
September 21, March 22, a very, very open, public and transparent process by WNC. I'm not sure there is anybody that can actually say that wasn't a public, transparent process. Um, we, the, the, I think we had, I think there were two full cabinet meetings, there were, I mean, two full council meetings on this, on this matter, two cabinet meetings. It was pushed back a couple of times from cabinet. Um, you know, all the paperwork was online, cabinet reports, anything you wanted to read, 150 pages of information. March 22, we agreed a deal. At that point, that's quite a celebrationary moment for us as a football club, in our opinion. That was, that was quite, that was quite celebrationary. We'd done the deal that we wanted to do. We felt, we felt it was the right deal for the football club. We had buy-in from fans. We had buy-in from staff. We had buy-in from the board. We had buy-in from the council. It, it made sense. So where are we now? Deal's been a deal was obviously agreed. Everyone was aware. Very public. Deal was agreed. Cabinet approval on 8th of March. At that stage, you then go to contract. Quite simple. That, that would have taken three months, maybe. Depends on the lawyers. But once you once we've done that, then you buy the land, start developing, etc., etc. And at the point, if you recall back then, we talked about meeting Buckingham's. James and I met with Buckingham's a couple of times. They came down here, looked at the looked at what what they've done existing, and started talking numbers a little bit. Obviously, got a little bit of sticker shock because the price is going up so much but that's to be expected in development. And the plans have remained unchanged. They've been on the website since June 21. We sometimes get accused, you've got no plans, you've got no plans. But well, they've been on the website. It's not complicated. They'd, they'd go, just look on the website, they're there. You know, I'm not sure what else we're expected to do. And there's no reason for those plans to change necessarily. Obviously, the detail in some of the, the drawings, etc., will change. And we've got some nice images, but... You know, as we know, CGI images aren't exactly what ends up happening in a building situation, but, but those are the sort of ideas that we, we wanted to, to push forward. We got delayed by the ACV, six months delay, we'll talk about that, and we've also been delayed by the judicial review. Neither of these are in the club's control, at all. They're not actually necessarily anything to do with the club, apart from us being an interested party. So let's talk about the ACV. Six month moratorium was invoked. That's, moratorium is another word for delay. So basically this game, the ACV holders, the supporters trust, the, the time to come up with a plan, come up with a bid. That's what, that, the ACV, if, if it's asset of community value, is a legal process. It's done to protect assets from development that doesn't, isn't, it, that, that doesn't suit what what the community need. That's set up, that's what it's set up for. Um, do we feel it's been used appropriately? Probably not. But the reality is the ACV area is actually the stadium site plus the former athletics track. We have a lease on that track till 2164. Not convinced that information was put out there sufficiently when discussions around evoking the ACV. The bottom line is anybody that bought that land, including the supporters trust, if they were able to, could not do anything on that land until 2164 without the permission of the football club. 
So with OpenAI, uh, we couldn't understand it, and we'll talk about that again. ACB period was completed September 3rd. We understand, nothing's been announced, we understand an offer has been made by the trust one day before the deadline, which was three weeks ago, I think, am I right? Two and a half weeks ago. We understand this offer is for all the land, not just the ACV land, so not just the former athletics track that's so important, supposedly, it's actually now for all the land, including all the CDNL land. So really now the trust board are officially land developers and a rival bidder to, to, to the club. Bottom line. No, there's no ifs, ands and buts. But the craziness is there's been no announcement by the trust. And we're the leaseholder. They've not come to us and said, we're going to buy this land, this is the plan for it, and we want you to be part of it. No one's spoken to us. No information has been given to trust members or fans in three weeks. Now, I fully accept that obviously with the Queen's passing there was probably something in there that with, with you know, the delay, etc, etc, but I think it was a week, the, 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 the bid had been put in a week before the Queen passed. It's amazing, it, it just amazes us as a club, as a, a fans organisation, it's a very strange decision. Not open or transparent in our, in our mind, our eyes. Does anyone in here know about it? So, and we, we only found out because it was leaked, I guess, to the newspaper or the NN Journal. And, and, and to, to put it in plain terms, any offer or any purchase by the trust, and we'll talk about the Sildara situation, does not complete the East End, does not directly benefit the club, and is actually a major risk to the club's future. We're not even sure the trust can make the bid constitutionally within their, within their constitution. They're a supporters trust. Not supposed to be land developers. Judicial review. Action is between... So then we move on to... Sildara, obviously, they made their own bid and they were unhappy with the council and their process. So they've applied for a judicial review, which is, again, a standard legal procedure. Actions between the council and Sildara, we are just an interested party because we're a leaseholder. And we've also um, made, the, made an opposing offer. Two-stage process, judge will decide on whether the JR can even move forward, it, which is, should happen in the next, well, it's in the hands of the courts, we have no control of time, but it should happen in the next month to six weeks, hopefully. If, if the judge says no, there's no case, or that, that, that you, there's no permission to move forward, mm -hmm. I think there's an appeal process, but technically that might fall away, so we can carry on doing our deal. If the judge says there's a judicial, a judicial review, <coughs> then that could take six, six months to a year. Judicial review is on process, not necessarily the decision itself. So it would be something within the process that Sildara believe the council didn't do appropriately. Could be anything, could be big, could be small. Um, we've seen some of the stuff and it, some, of, some of the process stuff that, that are of concern doesn't seem that big, but we'll see, that's totally up to the judge. There is no time frame. There is no time frame on this in terms of, we are, well, we are in no control of any time frame. We have to sit and wait. We have no control. And again, 
If they are successful, there is no benefit to the club. The East End doesn't get completed, and it is a major risk to the club's future. So, you know, when we, and, and bear it in mind, you know, sometimes we get painted as we're over here and the club's here. We're not. We're together. We have a board. We have fan representation on the board. We have staff members on the board who have, you know, have been around the club for a long time. We have people around the club for a long time that have looked at what we're doing and what we're talking about doing. And everyone said, oh, that makes sense. Every time we talk to someone, it makes sense. Well, we use this land over here to develop, creates funds that come into the football club. It has to come into the football club because that's the legal process. So this whole concept of we're going to steal this money from here and run away back to Florida and Dubai and, and we're not going to build the stand, it's, it, it's false. It's a false narrative. We're not going to do it. Our reputation has been too much. It's been here seven years. Got six million quid invested in the football club and never charged a penny of interest. Look, to, look at look at Man United today. Glaziers made thirty-five million quid last year on interest alone. So, and our numbers aren't as big as that, obviously. But we we just don't feel like we've we've given off those vibes a little bit. If anything, you know, if if we were just purely interested in the land, we would have made different decisions. We wouldn't have paid people during COVID. We wouldn't be saving half the athletics track for the for the parking. We would build right up to the back of the East End. Those are development decisions. And the biggest one is we would have never, ever transferred CDNL and the land into the football club. Why would you do that if you're only interested in the property? Makes no sense. So, if we go on further with the issue, we also understand that one of the people involved in the bid is a former bankrupt property developer. And we're the worst people in the world, but we've got people protect, we've got people really supporting this bid. We understand he's not a Sildara director, but he is in the judicial review and heavily involved, and we have confirmation of a previous bankruptcy. And we're very surprised that the Supporters Trust Board haven't mentioned this to fans, or been up in arms about it, or done the, if they are unaware of it, then why didn't they do their own legal research? They've done enough on me and David, not found anything, but they've done enough on us. So, what? one of the complications with the existing leases, so why could, if we have a lease on it, why could Sildara even bid for it, or why could the trust even bid for it? Yeah, so there is a complication in the leases, is there, there is a remediation clause. So in, so in 2024, on the big land, not the athletics track, in the big land, we have to remediate the site. So, or the council or whoever owns that land can take the land back. So, for us, what we've done, that is one of the complications and one of the risks. We didn't think we'd have to do anything on this because we didn't think anyone would try and stiff the club, really, as much as they have. But, so, appropriate remediation will need to be in place by 2024 on the wider land. So. Once, once that strategy is in place and implemented, it can, the lease then can not be terminated by 2164. So no one technically in their right mind would be interested in buying it. There's many legal interpretations of the level of remediation required, but we've obviously done extensive work on what we think it is. And it could end up, it's somebody else, but if the council continue to own it and we discuss them with the council, then 
you know, we're working this. Once we get the freehold of the deal, then this goes away anyway. It's all right, yeah. But it could end up in a very lengthy legal process. So even if the trust did buy that land, it could be five years before it's resolved, even if not longer. So to protect the club and simplify matters, we've begun that process to take away that risk. We've instructed local firm CC Town Planning, who is also a big fan, alongside national planning consultants Litchfield, who are one of the top in the, in the country at, at, at doing this kind of work. And then, so we've begun the planning process on that land. We've begun a, a planning application process. So remediation will be dealt with, with satisfactorily as required by the lease in the appropriate time. The truth is it's costing the club a lot of money. As you can imagine, these are all consultants. Now, Richard, to be fair, is a fan, so he's, he's being very generous with his time. But Litchfield, that, that's an expensive outfit. And we've got to do it because you know, even, an, even a plan application costs a lot of money. So, but, but we have to do it to protect the position for the football club. So then we go back to no stand. No because you've all heard it, I'm sure. No land, no stand, whatever it is now. I don't even know what it is now. <coughs> no this stand, that stand, whatever it is. It's just false. And I'll explain why it's false. And it's actually about timing. So when we made our first offer, what we said was, it was 8.19, we said, and the, the deal was, again, everything's in a cabinet paper on the council website if you want to read it is it was the option was that w upon finishing the east stand the land then would be released made sense at the time then we had to renegotiate and so we had to increase our offer by a million quid well once you start doing that you then start adding more risk to the situation by a lot so what we said was sensibly from the football club perspective was we actually said, okay, if we're gonna pay two million quid, we want to be able to access the land at the same time as starting on the stand. So what we did was, it, we actually only agreed to this when both us and the council agreed that there will be an obligation still in the contract. This was agreed, an obligation to finish the stand. And I've gotta be honest, the trust were told this, and I'll show you, told this in writing by the club and the council before the ACV was invoked. And the reason we invoked the ACV is because we weren't going to finish the stand. But these are the two clauses that are actually in the final cabinet report. And I'll read them out. 5.12, Baron Thomas have also, this is, the, this is basically the council writing this for the cabinet, public cabinet report. Baron Thomas have also given public assurances that completion of the East End is a priority and an undertaking its offer letter completes it within five years. Now, we could all argue about what the timing was, one year, two year, three year, five years. We just went with five years because it protected the football club in terms of, or protected us and the football club that if anything happened, if we hit another COVID or et cetera, et cetera, then we had enough time. But we told them, and we still say this, the intention is to get started straight away. And then to take it further, a range of legal mechanisms may be used to achieve these outcomes. This would, this would include a range of reflecting the commitment given by Baron Thomas in relation to the East Act. <coughs> so basically what that was saying was that it will be in the contract. But guess what? 
we couldn't go to the contract because the ACV was evoked. So we had six months away. We had to wait for six months because we couldn't do the contract. It was, it was a bit of a crazy situation. And there we go. This is from the Chronicle. And this is the 4th of April. This is before, I think this is before the ACV was evoked. Council insists completion of the East End. And the Chronicle even put will, big capital letters, be part of the final agreement in support of the Supporters Trust letter. And this is, I'm sorry it's small, but please be, this is written by Stuart Timmers in the Chronicle quote from his letter to the Trust. Please be assured on this point. The completion of the, of the stand is part of the offer forwarded by CDNL. It was in our offer letter. It was going to be in the contract, but we couldn't get to the contract. And this is a letter we sent to the Trust, and we'll talk about the Trust in a second, and I'll, I'll talk about some of the things that, why we feel the way we did. This is a letter that we sent. I'm not going to make you read the letter, I promise. But this is one part. There is still a contractual process ongoing, and we are committed to working with Western Northamptonshire Council to see the East Stand completed. We understand the council have all also informed you of such. So to then say we're evoking the ACV because you're not going to finish the stand, I just don't understand where that comes from. I don't get it. So we see a stand and land because it's all owned by NTFC anyway. The leases, CDNL, it all benefits the football club. The money flow's got to go into the football club. CDNL is an asset of the club. And I will point out that CDNL's never been an asset of the club before we transferred it, ever. And we talk about, well, obviously we're, we're asset strippers, obviously, because that's what we do. We come in and we strip assets. <coughs> but we've got to be the worst ones in the world because we've actually given the club an asset. It's the, right, it's the wrong way around. Normally when you're an asset stripper, you take it away. We've actually gone, there you go. It's nuts. It makes sense, as it meant the stand could get completed, but the club can get on with developing the land at the same time and take advantage of market conditions and de-risk the project. The longer this goes on, the more risk there is in any project. You know, we're talking about employment land. All of a sudden, in two years' time, employment land warehouses might not even be of, it, of interest to anybody and have no value. The costs are going up. Hopefully that stabilizes slightly. Perfectly reasonable, sensible adult agreement, which was fully included in all cabinet papers as appropriate. But just to confirm in writing, because we get that all the time, we haven't put it in writing apart from all the letters that we've sent, we will complete the East End to a good stand as part of the development and there will be protections in the final contract with WNC to that effect. There will be. We're going to finish it, basically. that's the whole it's the whole point of doing that project. So that hopefully covers that. We'll talk, we'll, I'll open it up to questions at the end. So it does lead us into this. And I've, I'll make an apology here. I'll make an apology. When we first started having problems with the trust, the supporters trust, um, we, 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 we went back and forth with letters publicly. And I wish I hadn't done it. And we, we thought it would, we thought we were answering the questions what we've come to realise is they don't really want answers to those questions. So we we shouldn't have done that. And I, as you might have noticed, in the past probably year, we've changed our tactics totally. And we've had 
possibly 20 statements made about the land and us in the last year. We've not responded to them. If we have responded in the media, we've said we're focusing on the game, we're focusing on getting the land deal done, etc., etc. There was one, I think there was one, one interview that I did and I felt that, that I felt the staff and the fans were being bullied a little bit, so I did say something about that. Obviously, I got hammered for it, but that's fine. I can take it. These guys shouldn't have to take it. So why? And so we haven't said much, but I think it's only right that we explain why we don't. Well, our relationship is, a, is 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 struggling. It's only right to, from us as a club because we've taken it, and it's only right for fans to understand it. So we have to distance ourselves from the trust. is isn't because they're asking awkward questions, and you'll see that. We've answered every question. Their actions have left no choice. We, we feel we've answered every question. Just because you don't necessarily like the answer, you can't suddenly say, ask, it, ask the same question differently, or say we've not asked, answered the question. And the truth is, Tom will tell you, James will tell you, anyone will tell you, if you ask me a question, I'll answer it. I've got to be careful on how I answer things, sometimes with confidentialities, but we all understand that. But I'll, give, I'll give as much answer as I can. And this is where the fundamental crux comes. Trust board, the trust board obviously want fan ownership. Now, the trust board will tell you they don't. And I'm sure you've had conversations with people who say, we don't want fan ownership, we're here for a rainy day, that's all. But let me, if I can show you a couple of things. So, we did our own freedom of information request with the council years back, three, four years back. We just are, we are, because we, we're allowed to do it as well. So bearing in mind the trust have done an FOI request on our dealings with the council, not published anything because there is nothing to see. This is a, this is a, these are notes of a meeting between Jonathan Nunn, Jules Chandra, Francis Fernandez. Uh, leader, chief exec, legal uh, lawyer for the council, between the council and the supporters trust. Trust offered to buy the club for a pound in June. I, I've seen so many. I've seen so many people say, "Well, the club, the trust have never offered to buy the club." Well, first of all, I I received the offer, so I know that wasn't true. And second of all, this is the this is nothing to do with us. This is the conversation between the council and the trust. And then down here, trust would own the lease on the ground plus fifty one percent of the operating company. That to me looks like we want ownership. <laughs> then we get into again further ideal outcome for the supporters trust fan ownership model. Progress the fan model. Time frame to present at the AGM in November and vote on a prospectus and way forward. This is the backdrop of why we've been dealing with what we've been dealing with. And just to say, all of this stuff will be on the website in the next couple of days, so you'll be able to go through it and read it properly. Their website, fan ownership. It, it just leads it just leads you leads us down in a certain direction. And I'll and and I'll go back and I'll we'll talk about this and what 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 members of the trust board will say we're just here for a rainy day but I will say one thing they are certainly trying to make it rain they are trying to make it rain on us like unbelievably 
And that's the issue that we've been running into, and that's what we've been dealing with. And then, again, we we, that was back, that was quite a few years back, it was three, four years ago. This is now. So, so, so everyone, I don't know if you heard, but Sildara put their bid in, etc., etc. We heard that, we were told that John Morgan, who is the trust legal advisor, <coughs> acting secretary, um, was in communication with Sildara. Well, we think that's a complete conflict of interest, really. And we were told by Andy Roberts, when I, I wrote to Andy, and I said, we've got concerns, Andy. And this is, and again, I've done this in the background. I don't want this all, to, I didn't want this all to be public and have a big spat. John Morgan has communicated with the advisors to Sildara, but this is not the same as giving advice. <laughs> okay, so, all right, see, so you, you take that on face value, but Jake Sharp, live on air to Andy, said this. On the surface, it could appear that John Morgan has been in contact with Sildara, and he has been advising them in a certain way. Can you see how that comes across, given how this information has come to me via Sildara, not by any other means. So Jake Sharp is the BBC reporter. Yeah, you must all know Jake, 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 <coughs> listening to him on, on the Cobbler's show, etc. He actually said that on the Cobbler's show. He'd read, he'd been sent emails by Sildara that showed John Morgan giving advice. Which to me is a complete conflict of interest. And, and, and this is where, again, issues. Like we just, so, like, again, there's a difference between asking questions and creating problems. Ask questions, great, that's what supporters trust should be doing. Creating problems for the club and the ownership is not what they're supposed to be doing. This is an email from Andy, as chairman of the supporters trust, and again, George Calder, Francis Fernandez, Rick O'Farrell, Jonathan Hunt, senior members of the council, an email. Re the club, we believe Kelvin Thomas is speaking to three prospective buyers and that David Bauer, that's spelt wrong, is not prepared, this is the, is not prepared to fund the club beyond mid-October. Therefore, things may come to a head quite quickly, not least a potential administra administration scenario. What are we supposed to do with that? And then you get into here. This is, again, Andy sent the same, same group, subject, Northampton Town. Although we have no concrete information, there are clear indications that David Bauer and Kelvin Thomas are preparing the imminent sale of Northampton Town Football Club. So on one hand, they have no concrete information, but on the other one, there are clear indications. What could those clear indications be? A legal contract? I don't know, we, we, weren't in any, we weren't preparing for the imminent sale of Northampton Town Football Club. So why, why do this? Disruption, fear, concern. Don't deal with these people because they're doing bad things. Got no evidence of it, but we're just gonna say it, because that's fine. That's not in the best interest of the football club. Accused, again, doing a deal with the council. Accused the council of corruption with no evidence. Sorry if I get passionate about it, but I'm... 
Ben. Ben, this guy is, this is a cabinet member. This isn't even about the football club, this is something else. But this is a, this is a trust board member calling him Ben. Meet the new boss, bosses, the same as the old ones. <coughs> Tagging in the, the NN Journal. Trust another trust board member. Corruption appears to be a feature of the entire Tory party. Northampton's council are acting as if they were a training institute. Another trust board member. I look forward to another few minutes of councillors to carry on hospitality. Insu in corruption insu in insinuation. I can't always say that word. And another one, this is, this is on the fans forum. Trust board member. KT will pay 2.05 million plus bonuses to the council on its board. Plus bonuses. This is a supporters trust that want to work with the council. But accusing them of corruption with no evidence. I can assure you we won't be paying bonuses. I can assure you that 2.05 million is more than we want to pay in the first place. You get a job at the council if you are. Constantly attacking the club on the board. And again, please don't take this as a personal attack on the trust. But this is I'm just trying to lay the picture of what we're what we've dealt with and what we've struggled with. And this is, but this isn't, this isn't us making accusations. This is facts. This is there. This is social media. This is fans forums. This is emails. This is letters. This is black and white. This isn't, we can't, we don't, we're not, it's not like, we don't have the luxury of making up stuff. And we go, this is the legal advisor saying, KT said was fundamentally wrong. Wasn't, but sad thing is head of media, Gareth, sitting over there, seems to spend his waking hours monitoring what supporters are saying on social media, <coughs> telling his boss, boss, look at this, pathetic and childish. So Gareth's pathetic and childish. Man's been in the club for however many years. But by the way, just think about what he's saying. Well, Gareth has spent his waking hours monitoring what they're saying. He's tagged us. I'm not sure everyone knows about social media, yeah, but yeah, so he sees what he's doing anyway. That means that means it comes to Gareth, so he hasn't got good much. Football club ballroom seem to be, excuse my language, and I'll say it if you don't mind. Asshole magnets. Hashtag NTFC. This is a board member. And here another one, board member. So basically. Especially when the alleged debt is only on the word of Kelvin Thomas and his accountants. Very easy to create a 500 crown loss at the stroke of a consultant's invoice from Dubai or the BVI. No payments, no tax pay. Just thousands of fans lapping up that the owner's saving the club. Like, there's so much wrong with that, it's unbelievable. Like, if anyone that's got a business would know that if you do a set of accounts, any related party transaction has to be in it. Everyone knows that. It's not complicated. And, and so we've actually, in this, in this one tweet, we've been accused of tax evasion, uh, falsifying accounting, and the fans have just been accused of lapping it up. Because, unfortunately, I think, I think the trust board think the fans are not the most intelligent people in the world. I would say that about fans of some clubs, but not Northampton.
So again, these are the this is a backdrop of what we've been dealing with, and this is and this is a small part of it. This is a small part of it. I could go on all night. Trust board members making threats to fans. Trust board members said this to a fan, say it to his face. This is this is the trust legal advisor threatening a fan. So let's put this in context. When we talked that there was a conversation about Sildara and the legal advisor from the trust talking to Sildara, well I wonder which legal advisor may have helped with that. You don't understand why someone would say that now you've seen the information. Be very explicit, or you will find your RN pension may be emptied with legal costs and damages. And then you go, I truly hope the legal advisor, this is another board member, legal advisor empties your pension pot, etc., etc. By the way, that information was proved right. That wasn't even like false information. He did talk to Sildara. So, and, and, and this to me, this is the worst. I've saved the best, the worst for last. But this to me is like, so, there you go. This is Ashka Ashay. Ashay's one of our community guys. Does fantastic stuff. Anyone did? I don't know if anyone did the walk. Couple of walks, fundraising for the community trust. This is about fit cobblers. This is about the program we run. Men and women help trying to get people fit. Probably should use it myself. Yeah. So it's a lovely tweet, and it came from the community. Community Northampton Sport, EFL Trust, etc. And but but our our trust decided looks to me that John Brady has been busy signing his new squad. Great to see the guys making full use of our impressive infrastructure. Now some people might say that's not bad, but I think it's awful. Because these guys are working incredibly hard. Not just these guys working, but our community department. We'll talk about them in a bit. And then here's JC. JC's story. We do a we do a program called Premier League Stars. Fantastic program, goes into schools, works with schools. This is JC, so he's a five-year-old, uh, might be a seven-year-old kid, is he? Seven-year-old seven kid. Great video, it's worth going to watch. Lovely tweet. So uh, one of our trust board members says, instead of calling it the Northampton community, it should be renamed the Whiting and Wilshire, excuse my language again, bollocks. Like, I won't say what I said at the time, they may speak that now and again, but but this is our community program. And by the way, because Gareth was trawling the social media, it was tagged NTFC and tagged the community. Can you imagine if you're this boy or this boy's parents reading that underneath that post about, so you're going to send that post to your friends and family because you're really excited about it, and they're reading that. I can understand if, if I can understand if this is, uh, you know, an internet troll, for example, or somebody a keyboard warrior, blah blah blah. But this is, these are trust board members. It's got to be a responsibility, not the actions of well-meaning people. Been twelve resignations, we think, in over eighteen months. We're never sure because we're never sure who's on the board. The trust-owned travel club do not want to be associated with the current board in no way associated with the trust. And so you have to understand that we can't be associated with that type of behaviour. 
This is not just asking questions. This is not being here for a rainy day. This is trying to create that rainy day. And why? Because they, they have a different agenda. I don't know. I can't really explain it fully. I've got some ideas. And really, the one group that's shouting all the time the stand is not complete is also the same group that is doing everything in their power to stop it happening. You, 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 would have seen the, you would have seen those speeches at the council meeting. Fairness to Andy, he did kind of stand up and say relatively positive. But after that, we got absolutely battered by two trust board members. But, but, but behind that, there's letters, there's reams and reams of letters that have gone to council members consistently. So is this a board you didn't want running the club? Or even associated with the club? It's tough because not even running a travel club. I can't run a travel club. And that's, obviously I got the blame for that, but it's nothing to do with me. We don't even get involved in travel clubs, apart from in a positive way. We certainly don't get involved with the politics, do we? So, that's just to set the scene a little bit around. And that's... That, to me, is the negative part of what we're going to talk about. We need to talk about the football club <coughs> itself as well. We need to talk about, you know, you know what we're doing. Well, actually, let me wait because I need to finish this off because I don't want to go to the ticket system just yet. But, but, but we, we can't just get bogged. But this, we've been dealing with this. And we've tried to now do it quietly behind the scenes. May not be as quiet behind the scenes after tonight, but I have an obligation as the leader of an organisation protect my staff and protect my other directors I can take the hassle I don't enjoy it, it's horrible it is bullying, but I can I can accept it I'll take it on my shoulder these guys shouldn't shouldn't have to accept it they should, that shouldn't be right not going to let them win no, come that's on good. That's good. but there's nothing, in fairness I, don't, I still don't understand what they're trying to do like, no, I, don't. I, don't, I don't get it apart from, it feels like now especially when you look at the Sildara stuff and who's involved in that it feels like anyone but us. Anyone but us. But unfortunately, us is the club. And the club is us. So, I agree. But we'll talk about it more if we have any questions. So, going on. New ticket system and big screen. So, new ticket system takes advantage of advances in technology. Cup games can be loaded directly. I'm sure everyone's been using it. Tickets can be scanned direct from mobile phones. Advances for club in terms of data capture marketing, especially for group bookings. In truth, there's also other other benefits. You don't have to come and get your ticket, especially with petrol prices, etc., etc. You know, etc. Now, as with any major rollout <coughs> IT system, I think there were definitely some teething problems. You know, opening the doors, letting everyone in because the system was struggling was probably not part of the plan. But James assures me, and I think I think we've we've got through the, the majority of those, and I think it's relatively smooth now. I think I've definitely James has definitely snuck out the ballroom a couple of times and checked the queues, and Tom has been very involved in that as well. So I think it's smoother now, and we're definitely seeing the advantages. So hopefully that continues, and we'll continue on working on it. But it is an investment, and there is a reason for the investment, and hopefully we'll see the benefits of that. But if there are any issues, speak to Tom, speak to James. Also, actually, you tag Gareth in on a, on a social media tweet. He'll be, he'll be trawling through it, don't worry. Um, 
new big screen. And again, we've all looked at we've all looked at that screen. Go, what is going on with that one square? What's happening? Like, okay. Obviously, we've been working on this for a while, but COVID did hurt this. Uh, that definitely delayed the process. It's the end of its life. Broken panel can't be replaced. It's not. It's not a repair job. So it's not not even being produced. So we have signed a new contract with a new partner. We will have a new screen in place this season, hopefully. If it doesn't arrive, speak to James. Um, and there'll be a, another external advertising screen on, on part of the stadium out on Watertoll Way as part of that. It's sub, subject to planning, um, but more detail will be released. But we are getting there on this. It is an issue and we're, we're dealing with it. Um, I, and, and I think it's about the same size, isn't it? Hopefully it's not as small as Wimbledon's was the other day. <laughs> Um, so let me talk about the fan live review, and I have to apologise. I, I got an email from the we got an email from the EFL chairman about 45 minutes before we came in. So I've just scanned it about the concerns, and we'll talk about this. Um, we 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 obviously fully support the Tracy Crouch report, fan live review. Not sure if anyone's read it fully, but um, some really good points in there. Government have supported it with the change of government or change of. Prime Minister, um, there is a rumour going circulating in the media that she may not be as supportive of it as, and she may want, rather than the government doing independent regulation, she may want football to kind of fix themselves. Not sure I'm o I overly disagree, but we'll see where it shakes out. White paper was expected this month, but and then to go to legislation again, it is all a bit more up in the air. But we are supporting the EFL position that says it needs to happen as soon as possible. And what is it when we continue to engage with our local MPs? Myself, Tom and James are supposed to go to the House of Commons for a round table, but unfortunately it was delayed due to the Queen's passing, and I'm not even sure it will happen now because of the Liz Trust stuff. But, but a key objective is to make football more sustainable and less reliant on owner funding. We would absolutely love that to happen, we're going to be honest. Um, and a reset of distribution. So the fundamental key, and I'll, well, I could talk about this all night, but the fundamental key is a lot. there's a lot of money that goes in the top end. Money comes down, but because of the money that's gone in the top end, wage inflation has gone up. Our wage inflation has gone up, but our income hasn't gone up at the same level. So it creates big issues for football clubs. And everyone says, oh, you should do it sustainably, blah, blah, blah. It's very, very difficult. Very difficult. Our budget will be <coughs> two thirds of what it is now if we, we, we try to be sustainable in terms of finances. And I'm just not sure that fans would accept that. I'm just not sure. I think there'll be a small group of fans that will be excited that we're, we're not incurring some debts or etc. But the majority of fans want to win on a Saturday. So, so that's the keys salary caps, cost control. I think what will come with the conversation is around. FA Cup replays. I think what will come around the conversation is the Carabao Cup. They will all form part of the conversation. But on the flip side, like anything in life, you can't ask for more here without thinking you might have to give up some more here. So I don't know what that is. I don't know what we will be supportive of. But if we can put the club in a sustainable position without relying on owner funding, and we've got to look at that, and we've got to look at that in a, in, 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 a, in, a, in a serious way, I think, anyway. So 
we'll see what happens. We've got a football league meeting on Thursday, so we um, next year, next week. So we'll find out a little bit more. But we are supportive of it, obviously. And then we got Super Sir Tom, as uh, as Charles called him. Um, and I think it's important that we talk about it a little bit. I think it's important that we we we, we champion it a little bit as well. What what's what's happened? Tom was democratically elected to the board with more than 1,400 fans engaged in the vote. I would not, no disrespect Tom, but there were more people to vote for the kit, but that's okay, Tom, don't worry. <laughs> okay, but, 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 but it was chosen by the fans for the fans. We weren't involved in that process apart from, you know, making sure there was a process. We didn't pick who got, we didn't pick who got um, nominated. I know in the end it was Tom and Dan. And we'd have been quite happy with Dan as well. Dan's got some great, had some great ideas at the time. And Tom is in regular, most people will probably know Tom in here, but if you don't, um, you'll probably get to know him or seen him around. Regular direct conversation with many supporters. Tom sits in the stands, home and away. Travels on coaches, volunteers, and is very much a cross-fan opinion. And what's most important for us, he helps reflect opinion from the fans to the club rather than impose his opinion on supporters. Tom is a fantastic sounding board for me especially, but also all the other management team because he's talking to fans and a wide cross-section of fans. So we know, we know, kind of, we know, we know what fans are thinking. Well, kind of, hopefully, somewhat. Uh, and he's been especially helpful, I think, in quick reaction. You know, the, honestly, the, we're in a WhatsApp group which we'll talk about and sitting at the management team and Tom's always saying, oh, tickets, you know, ticketing or, you know, or, you know, what's going on outside of the turnstile, etc. I've been asked this, I've been asked that, what are your thoughts, etc. And I think changes will come as part of the fan-led review that, that, that we, there will be more fan involvement at the board level anyway. And we're not running, one thing I will say, we're not running with loads of ball bids. We've never been that type of organisation. You know, we've got a pretty small board and, uh, and uh, but we, we, I would say we have more board meetings than most businesses without having any board meetings, if you understand what I mean. But, uh, we don't formally write down and say this is a board meeting, but we meet all the time. I would say, I would say that we, there is rarely a day that goes by that the WhatsApp, management team WhatsApp, including Tom, doesn't ping at some point. There's rarely a day that goes by. Um, and that's, to me, that's more important than any formal board meeting. And, you know, Tom's on that group. And he's always given his opinion, decisions, regular phone and face-to-face -face communication. We think it's great, it's been fantastic. And it was a risk. It was absolutely a risk. And it's not just Tom, it's actually the position itself. But Tom's done really well. We think it's been a very big positive for the football club. We talk about the 125th year anniversary. What a fantastic anniversary for the club, really. And I think, I think, and I'll take no credit for this whatsoever, but I think we've handled it exceptionally well, if I'm honest. I think as a club, over the past year, it's been very, very good. It's a wonderful anniversary. It's, you know, the 125 kit, extremely successful. And just, it's just great. It's, it's a great kit. It's really, and everything that goes with it, it the fact that it's, it's related to the, to the, um, the first kit and 
etc etc the names on it covid names on it. i think it's great kit we've now got i don't know if anyone's seen this hopefully you've driven by it but there's now a plaque and for me personally that was an exceptionally proud moment to be able to launch that plaque and it's great driving by it and seeing that and that'll be there forever and a day hopefully so if you do go go visit go and have a drink in the pub and we thank the managed pubs Paul for allowing us to put this up and then the, you know the last event we all these events the Tramier game last year was exceptional of course we won that helped <laughs> And then the anniversary dinner, I'm not sure who was at the anniversary dinner, but that's actually the tunnel that made it to the county ground. So you actually went through the tunnel to get into the room. It was great, it was really good. Again, nothing to do with me, but um, the staff and everybody, I know it was a bit of an effort to get it there, but it, it was really effective. And you know, and that was, that, that was the dinner. And we had some great people there talking, Managers, players, chairman, ex-chairman, etc., etc. You know, on 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 video, video chats. <laughs> lots of people made videos for us. Um, you know, ex-chairman Dick and Barrett. Even Samo's having a good time. Look at him. <laughs> but he did have a good time. I promise. He was Samo was very good. Um, and you know, and it was great. It was a great event. The one thing I will, you know, I don't think we should mark this. We should mark this. So, one of the sadder parts of that night was was uh, former chairman Derek Banks couldn't make it, and subsequently passed away from after. So, you know, I think uh, it, we definitely need to mention Derek because he, he's been very helpful for me as a chairman, coming back and being positive at the club and helping me with certain things. So. Um, you know, we definitely should um, recognise Derek as well. But, but again, a lot of people that have been part of the fabric, the history. Chris Wilder did a video. Sam Hoskins did a video, and you've probably seen it all all online. And lots of Trevor Morley did a video. Um, I think Richard Hill did one. Did he? Did, did Richard do one? Punching someone. But great players, great history of the football club. I never said that. It's live. I like Richard. So, again, you know, 120. Our kits, I think our kits this year, and again, credit to Hummel and, and James for the design. We thought an accountant could design such a good kit. But, but I think the kits have been great. Like these, you know, they've been really good. Home and away based on, and I quite like the fact they're based on historical kits. The home kit. I actually didn't vote for this one. Who voted for this one? See, I think the vote was fixed. <laughs> I didn't vote for that. I didn't vote for it. But, not, but however, I like it. I do like it. I didn't love it to start with, but I really like it now. Really like it. And I love the connection. Same with the, the pink kit. And obviously I knew this kit from before because we were involved with this kit. You know, when we, when we bought the club. Yeah, and, and I don't know if anyone knows that, but this here is actually the sound bar from Fields of Green. Is that right? Yeah, Northampton Town I'm proud to be. That's the sound bar. <laughs> I saw it as soon as I saw it. I just saw it as a bunch of lines. <laughs> <laughs> that was a heart rate. <laughs> but, but I like that. That's great. It's good. And I, you know what? I love the fact that we, we the, the, the team included everybody at the club. That was Sammy predicting how many goals he was going to score this season. <laughs> Luckily, he's got that wrong. 
<laughs> Ali looks incredibly happy. Look at him. But that's, you know, we're using, using different parts of the club, and that's what's important because it is a community, it is a club. And then we talk about ads, you got ads, you made it. Ads, ads are buzzing, made it. It's always here, yeah. So, well, and we can't not talk about the community trust. I didn't want to make it too long. We can't not talk about it because it is. It, really hard to put everything they do into one presentation so maybe I'm just going to say how good it is how good it is it's it's it's, it's excellent it's what we do in the communities is fantastic and and we love it we love we're proud of the work we're proud of the relationship it's very very close so positive for the club work with such a wide range of people ages and communities do so much go on the website Go on the website, and that link will be, go on the website and see some of the videos. Some of the impact that we're having as a football club and as a community trust. It's incredible. It, 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 it blows you away at times. And then this, I don't know if everyone saw this, this has been announced, but I thought I'd put it out there again. Northern Football Award, EFDN. I'm not sure what that stands for, Gareth, anybody? But... There you go, the European Football Development Network. So why have I put that out there? We've actually been nominated. Little old Northampton's been nominated for an award. And look at the clubs that are up, we're against. Juventus, Wolfsburg, Werder Bremen, Feyenoord. Yeah. We've been nominated with those clubs. Like, like we might be in the Champions League next week. <laughs> but, so what is that? What is that? So basically, we, uh, we've been nominated for our Tackling Loneliness Project. Which has which really started through COVID and has continued and continues now. And this is the project that we, you know, and everyone was involved. And I have to give Gareth um, credit for this because he was very, very involved in this process in organising phone calls. I made them, Keith was our manager at the time, he made them, John makes them now. We spoke to people who were lonely during COVID to try and give them encouragement. To, to brighten up a day, and it, it was humbling for me. I have to be honest. Like, I I did COVID in Florida. I was lucky enough that we we weren't locked down anywhere near like England was. And talking to some people, and even I was in Florida, I spoke to people who hadn't been out. Like, and you you would have all experienced it. It was difficult for me to fully understand. People hadn't been out, and people that people without a TV, older older. I spoke to a couple of older fans that didn't have TVs. So so and so. And it's nice to be recognised, but the project itself is nice. But it, but these are the sort of things that we do do as a club, as a as a, and this is a community award. But but the truth is, this is a club award because or nomination because the club's been so much part of it. So also appeared on BBC Breakfast and in, in the New York Times. So let's talk about the football. This is what we are. This is a, we're a football club. Get the land, get the stand. We're a football club, and this is what we talk. This is what we like. This is what we come here for. We continue to strategically invest in the infrastructure, in the football activities of the club. And I'll go back to that. That's not all. That, you don't always see that. You don't always see it. We'll talk about why. You know, benchmarking again. We get accused of rainy day. We're the 19th worst budget in the league, or better, whatever it is, best or worst. We're nine. It's not true. We always keep a budget above the top 10, and we know this information. We get benchmarking information. 
So we roughly know what budgets are out there. So we know this. We get told this by the Football League. But we've invested in a new network of regional scouts. Scouting is so important. Investment in a series of analytical and statistical software to assist recruitment and player development. I have to say, we do have a couple of analysts that all they seem to do is sit on their laptop and watch football matches. Yeah. So I do worry about their, their own development. <laughs> but but we've, I think we've seen a bit of progress. A continued investment in the academy has 14 full-time employees compared to six when we took over. Anyone, if anyone was here Tuesday night, saw some of the benefits of that against a very, very strong Cambridge team. Poor John almost cried when he saw the Cambridge team. Because <laughs> we had a young team out, but we did all right. You've got to give those, young, those kids some, some credit. Women's football have been promoted. Had games at Sixfields, very positive, broken records at Sixfields. Podcasts are now doing a women's only podcast, I believe. You know, this is, it's all important stuff. And then we'll talk about the training ground investment. And, I, and this is exciting for me, but personally, and as a club it should be, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Investment in a young, dynamic squad, while also retaining the club captain. Property developers here turned down significant money for our club captain this summer. There is no reason, and there is no reason we should have turned that down, except John's a really good player. John's a really good player. That's one of our analysts, by the way. Amazing, amazing timing. Amazing timing. Um, John, uh, except John's a really good player, we need him on the pitch. Of course, we'd have liked the money in the bank. Why not? But we didn't because we, 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 no matter what people try and say, we are actually interested in the football. We're for, I'm a, I'm, I've played, I've coached, I'm a football fan. If anyone's seen me celebrate a goal when we score, it's been nice this year, I've actually had to do it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the football, we feel the football's in good hands. I think we've got a good start. I think we're doing it right. I was just up, at, we'll talk again, we'll talk about training ground. I just had lunch with Graham, I took Graham Carr up to lunch at the training ground. Watched a bit of training, had lunch with the players. He said how good it is. And we're seeing the positives of this overall development and investment. Best start in 25 years. And long may it continue. Then we've seen some good stuff. Obviously it's, it's, it's football, it's not perfect. No, we're, not, we're not the best in the world, we're not, but we're doing all right. I think, yeah, I think we're doing all right. So let's talk about training ground. Ash there, look putting the players through their paces. So if we talk about quickly the timeline, when we first came into the club, Chris Wilder and Alan Neal used to be in the car driving down to, from Sheffield and they'd call James and say, James, where are we training today? Honestly, it, it, it happened, didn't it? And they were never, never happy with the, with the answer. You know, Coventry, when, you, when we played Coventry, before we just, just before we bought FA Cup games, Big game, 2-1 was it? 2 at Coventry, when they had a ground. Um, <laughs> trained over here in the park, and I won't even say what the players called it, but it, it was about a dog and something else. You know, so there's always had non-exclusive training pitches or rented on an ad hoc basis. 16-17 we reached an agreement with Moulton to get two pitches. You've probably seen it, we've probably covered it before. 
And then we actually, in 2021, and in fairness to James, we've been trying to do this for quite some time, but COVID affected this. But he reached an agreement to get two exclusive, two further additional exclusive pitches. <coughs> but these pitches actually required significant investment. And this is the type of investment that people don't see. People don't see, when we get accused, oh, we don't invest in the football club. Well, yes, we do, because look at that. You know, that's, that's decent grass. People, when you get up there, see it. We've seen the image of this summer, especially, where you walk up to the training pitches and it's like sand. You get the training pitches, it's like that. That doesn't happen overnight. That's a tremendous amount of work, but also money to invest in it. Water, drainage, etc. And even better, in the last couple of weeks, we've agreed with Moulton for a ahead to terms to rent, to lease a three and three and a half thousand square foot building. It'll be the first ever time the football club's had its own facility. And we don't own it, it's leased, but it's a 15 year lease subject to contract. But it's the first time ever. So what, what does that mean? It's not, it's, it's exclusive. We open the door, we walk in, it's the football club. We close the door, nobody else goes in there. That's massive. And what's going to be in there? You know, we, 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 sit, we need to refurbish it, so it probably won't be ready till like January time, but private building, exclusive, close to the training ground, so they'll come out that building and they'll walk to the training pitches and then walk back and have food, changing rooms, you know, physio space, gym. Some of this has changed, so let's not get carried away with the exact plans. I'm not sure there's going to be a kitchen, but um, sports, sports science space. Gym, injured players work there. At the moment, injured players can work, will work here or they'll work at Mole Magpies. They'll all be under one building. Office space for coaches, team room, here, where players are gonna eat, have breakfast. Players have breakfast and lunch at the club. They do, kind of do that now with Mole Magpies, but we'll do it all in one building. Pre-activation space. So there'll be, when you see players doing all their bands and stuff like that, that's what they'll be doing. Ads is going to live there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ads, I didn't mean that. I know you. <laughs> but, so, in the highlights, and I get passionate about that, because that's exciting for me, because that is a first. I, I took Graham up there. I spoke to Barry Stonu. I spoke to Dick Underwood at the, uh, at the, at the, at the 125. This is the first, I spoke to Chris Wilde, Alan Hill. This is the first time it's happened, in our opinion, and no one else has said any different. All on one site, the academy, artificial service. This is just the highlights. On-site access to swimming pool, commercial gym for recovery. Best training environment the club has ever had. Best training environment. And I, I know in seven years it certainly is, and no one else has said any different. And it's, listen, it's not, not a Premier League training ground, I mean, you know, but it's... It's really good. It was there today. And Graham was blown away by it. And, and I had, to be honest, I'm not saying I had to listen, but I did listen to probably a description of four other training grounds that we've used over the last 35 years. And he remembers every bump and every hill. So I think these, this, this is, to us, that's good. So in summary, I think we're making progress. We've reached an agreement with the East End, but with delays are due to rival bidders. Not us. We can't do anything right now. 
continue to invest in the club, training ground extremely positive, and I think there's a good factor, a feel-good factor around the club. Only 125 years in community. And obviously, Gareth says I have to put proud to be on the end of it. <laughs> so, so in summary, and that's that's my my kind of bit, and we're happy to, you know, we're absolutely happy, happy to answer any questions you've got on any of the subjects we've talked about. And I apologise if I've gone too long. How long did I go for? Um, just over an hour. Just over an hour. It's been worse. Um, and then I think Charles is going to do the uh, microphone stuff and, and come at any questions. But I'm, you know, ask away. As I said before, there will be some things that I've got, you know, there are confidentialities, and I'll explain the reason for them as well. But go ahead, Charles, go on. Right. You can ask a question as well. Can oh, can I? Oh, lovely. Uh, right, two seconds. Right, I think everybody might need to stand up for a second. Tom, can you just do stand-up bingo? <laughs> Anybody got any questions? Literally, the way that this is going to happen now is you pop your hand up. I will come over to you with the microphone. You speak into the microphone. And whichever person that you've asked a question to over here, Kelvin, James, or Tom, will answer it. So, oh, thank you. Oh, for the benefit of the tape, people put their hands up. Thank you. Uh, we'll go with you, sir, first. How was it? The ladies' team, um, they got promoted last year. Um, any chance of having more games at Sixfields for them? Yeah, I think, well, I think that's part of the planning. James will tell you that. Yeah, we've um, obviously a lot of conversations about that. Um, you know, fantastic that they've moved up to a, uh, another division, another step up in level. Um, so we've raised the profile over a number of years. Holding the games here has been fantastic. We'd love to do it more regularly. Um, season's now started, so we've had some conversations, looked at some dates, and you know, c certainly before long, then um, we'll be announcing some more games here. Brilliant. There was another one over here. That was easy. Um, yeah, like, like a lot of supporters, when the club was in real trouble, I put a very small amount of money into the trust to buy a life membership. Um, I or no other trust members that I know support the current board. Um, and I think it's wholly wrong that they purport to support about, they have about 700 members or whatever the number is, because most of those members are, are not active members. We've not always had good um, comments from the Trust Board. The Trust Board didn't invite me or many others to vote of the ACV. Um, and the way the vote went, I believe the Trust has around about 150 true members. Out of a crowd of let's say 5,000 per match, they should not be pretending to, uh, to speak on behalf of the club because they don't. And I do also believe that the board is split with some probably good members and some really that I wouldn't want to comment on. I really don't. I, you know, I've 
I believe in communities. I believe in community ownership of certain things. I actually own part of a pub in in Oxfordshire as, as a community as a community share. See, I, I believe in that, but I also believe that if you represent a body, then you should do that. You should represent that body. And and I just don't. I just I'm baffled by some of the actions. I'm baffled that anyone could make a bid for three million pounds allegedly and not announce that to the fan base or speak to the leaseholder or or anything. Just it's been it's been it's been um, reported on in a, in a it's been obviously something got leaked to the to, to the newspaper or the, the website. It's been reported. I understand that the Chronicle, the BBC, contacted the trust and said, "Are you going to put out a statement?" Yes, in due course. We're three weeks down the road. Imagine if we did that as a football club. You know, that's, we, we we get attacked. Oh, we're not open. We're not transparent. Blah blah blah, etc. Et I think we are as much as we can be. Might not be enough for everyone, but okay, fine. But that's the least open and transparent thing in the world. You know, and. And some of the stuff that's been said about us, like the goodwill stuff, I'm not sure if anyone will ask about that, the goodwill, you know, again, it's surprising. I bullied goodwill by all accounts. Like, I don't know if anyone knows goodwill. It's a really good company, like a really decent company. And we've had discussions with goodwill. They've done some, they were here just recently doing a, a as part of the Hope Center, doing a cycle. But to put out a statement to say that I bullied them into stopping doing something, it just amazes me. It amazes me. So, again, I can't. I can't go on. I could talk about it all night because it, you know, I, you know, we've been through the processes. We've had the, the staff have written a letter, unknown to me. The staff wrote a letter to to the trust. Say, look, stop. It's bullying. It's it's bullying. It really is. But, but I I understand your frustration. I do. I don't. I would question the vote. I would question that vote. And the truth is, when you look at this to take the vote because we don't think the stand is going to be completed or it's not in the contract or it's not in the head to terms but there's the information that's fact that's 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 newspaper articles that's letters that have gone back and forth it's fact to say that no stand no land it's a narrative it's a false narrative no question so i but i can't do anything about it i just have to deal with it and accept it i can't fans can if they want to but i'm not sure that that many people even I say that concerned about it anymore because I think it, I think every fan just expects a statement every t every now and again, don't they? Like we're just going to get another statement that will probably not get any traction whatsoever, and no so nothing on social media, etc. And some few people will fight about it all the time. That's why we can't respond to it. We can't anymore because we're wasting our time by responding. We'll if, if someone asks us a question, and this is where I get probably my most frustration comes is is oh no stand no land public etc etc but no one's actually gone kelvin are you going to complete the stand uh yes yes the, uh, no one's actually done that no one's written to me and said are you going to complete the stand well as i said yeah we will but in a sensible way we're not going to just suddenly throw money at everything and think that's good for the football club because it's not it's not good for the football club we've got to be sensible Makes no club wasn't sensible seven years ago, and it almost went out of business, in my opinion. Now, 
there were some other things that went on as well, I think, allegedly. But So, yeah, so I understand your frustration, your point, and I think that's shared. From what I see, it's shared by a lot of people. Just, uh, just to ask the question, I think I know the answer to this. Is there anyone from the trust board in the room? No? Okay, that's absolutely fine. Right, just... But, uh, but on that point, <coughs> I, think it's, I think it's a good point, because I, I, I have no issue with debating what we're doing. I want to debate it to understand. I think health... I think... You know, I'm getting a bit deep here, but I think healthy debate has gone out of our society somewhat. I think we're so polarised, I think we can't talk about politics, we can't talk about this and have a disagreement. But I don't believe in that. I think you can, I think you should. And I would, I would like somebody to sit here and say, why? it's an open forum, why would you not come as a trust board? They'll why come would, out the woodwork tomorrow. Oh, yeah, be everybody on, on social, social media. media, of course it will be. But I've defended you and all that, and they come for you. Yeah. And I was an original member, like Jenny was, and Roy was, and Barry was. We were all there at the Exeter Rooms in 92. Yeah. I want nothing to do with them. Look at Barry, like Barry, for example. Like Barry's an original member. Been pillared. Like goodwill, you know, they 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 probably didn't have a positive positive, you know, uh, a response once they said they weren't gonna do it. And by the way, that's I you know, I bullied goodwill, but no, I spoke to goodwill and I said, you do know that we have a lease on that piece of land. And I don't think that was necessarily made abundantly clear before a few meetings. I don't think it was because Anyone would look at that piece of land and go, okay, that could make some sense. Oh, but we can't start until 2164. That might not be the investment profile that I want. Just to really quickly just go back to what the gentleman said before about the, the trust membership numbers, because I know it will be used as a stick to beat the room with, not just Kelvin necessarily, but from what a board meeting that I went to this year in 2022, it was told that the rough numbers of membership were, say, 700 members, 350 had they had email addresses for, of which they said, and I don't understand exactly why, but I think they said GDPR, was that they could contact 250 of those members that they've got email addresses for. That's the information that came out of that board meeting at that time. Only to just correct you on the numbers slightly, because... <laughs> The one thing, I, the one thing I'd say is, is that, like some of the stuff that I've shown there, the factual information I've shown there, and the social media posts. If any one of my board acted in that way, I would be asking for their resignation. And if I, if I acted in that way, I would be resigning myself. Because one thing you can, you know, and everyone talks, oh, you're just fighting with the trust. We're not actually. We don't actually fight with the trust. And the one thing no one in here can say is. I, or my board, has written anything personal about the Supporters Trust and put it online in a letter. We've been completely professional. We disagree, but we're not really at war. We don't fight them. We just disagree with them. And, and, but we get attacked, and we have to be professional. But that is fundamentally lying to a council. It's lying. Anyway, sorry. Tom, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I think just a, just a point on that in terms of the openness of communication, the first day that I'd officially sort of been uh, appointed as a director, having passed the fit and proper persons test, we'd had a meeting here at the stadium, 
I'd sort of spoken to Kelvin and said, look, I think one of the first things we need to address is, is the conversation between the club and the trust. I said to Kelvin, please, can you give me three dates? And he offered a Thursday or Friday and a Monday, I think it was. Just go to the trust and we'll organise a meeting. We'll have the meeting. Um, so I attended the trust meeting that night. I think there was a couple of the people in the room on and said, look, I don't have the answers to these questions yet, but I'm offering you a direct meeting face-to-face. It was next door with the chairman, James, myself. There was other staff members there as well. And, you know, I'd gone in there with a view. We were going to have 90 minutes. We were gonna, I was going to sort the world out. We were there for hours and hours and hours. I think it was about three and a half hours in the end where that meeting ended with, has anyone got any more questions? You know, have we answered all of your, all of your questions tonight? And we went around everyone in the room and sort of went, yeah, I think we're at a point where we have answered those questions. And, and for me, as a, I left feeling quite positive about a conversation that I thought we'd move things forward. And then the next time and again, there's, there's questions there. And for me, I think just touching on the point that Kelvin made, I'm incredibly proud to be a director of Northampton Town Football Club. I'm a lifelong fan. It's the biggest privilege I've ever had. It's the biggest responsibility in many ways as well, because ultimately I'm representing you. At a board meeting, I don't go, Tom Cliff thinks this, or when we're having conversations, it's what's the general sway of the fans and the conversations. And I learnt very quickly, I can't please everyone. I've, I've been called every name under the sun. Um, you know, and again, I, I, I thank the board for protecting me at times because actually some of it's been banged out of order from, from, from people. But I'll take criticism. I took the blame for Danny Rose not scoring at Carlisle away last year. That was my fault. But again, you know, that's, that's passionate for the club. We want the club to do well. And these conversations, you can see the things that are moving forward. And, you know, it is difficult sometimes when you, people say about the scoreboard and you know what's coming. But actually, it is a little bit sensitive. You can't come out and tell everyone this is the plan because there's planning applications and there's things there. But the, the one thing to anyone in this room tonight, if you leave with a question, please message me because the next thing I do is, is ask Kelvin, ask James, is there an answer? With the ticketing, I'd ask James after a game. We'd won. I got a message straight away. This is a disgrace. What's going on? Some really fair points. By Sunday evening, I've got a message from, well, I think it was Monday, in fact, I've got a message. They've analysed the CCTV footage that shows how many people turn up in the last 20 minutes before the game. They've looked at the data to see ticket scan. The level of depth of answers we get is not, uh, I'll just go away, Tom. If I ask something, I get meaningful answers and we'll pass those on. So if there are any questions that aren't answered tonight, by all means, please do contact that because the one thing I will say is, is the openness and the honesty is there for, for, for everyone to see. Question here. Yeah, initially I'd like to say thank you personally and David for the continuity you've given this football club. Secondly, the supporters I think have been so patient through this process. I've been on sort of past demonstrations in front of uh, main stands and things like that when it's gone wrong. Uh, the point I'd like to ask though is judicial review. If, and I emphasise the if, in a couple of months that's sorted, um, is everything set in place with the council, with, say, Buckingham, if you go with them, and can you give any sort of time scale? Because we've been... Well, I wasn't even retired when all this started, and now I'm going downhill fast. Uh, well, um, the reality is, yes, it's all set in terms of we'll go to contract with the council. That will take the process three months, as I said. We'll start that process again. Um, and then Buckingham's, the Buckingham's process is there. Is, you know, we haven't spent the time, as I said at the time of the ACB, we haven't spent the time to, to nail down the final details because it's a lot of work 
And if it doesn't happen, then there's a lot of wasted time and money and effort. So, and on for Buckingham's as well. So, we have a good idea of what we need, and we have a good gauge of it. So, yeah, we'll, the first thing we'll do is pick the phone up and say, good, good, "Get down here, let's try and put some firm that up." So, how long is that going to take? I hate to put a number on it because I get hammered for that. I get hammered for not putting a number on it, but you know, building process. I think the building process will be a six to nine month process. The building process. We have to decide if we need to get additional planning, if we do make some changes. Not sure we will, but again, that's a fluid position. But how long that takes, um, and then it's just mobilization. Well, where Buckingham's at in their life cycle of development in terms of people. And, look, we said five years, not in the thought it's going to take five years. We're going to hopefully not get close to that, but anyone speak to a, is there any builders in here? Speak to a builder right now, or a construction or a developer, and they'll tell you all kinds of horror stories about pricing, about timings, you know, with everything going on. It's, it's common knowledge that it's a really tough market to build in. If, and I'm, I'm going to be careful saying this, because I know it's if we were, if we were, if we were doing it, if we were doing it from purely a financial perspective, you wouldn't actually build now. You'd wait. You'd probably wait much closer to the five years, because the pricing hopefully will come down. But there's an emotional connection to this as well, this development. So as soon as, but as soon, our commitment is, as soon as we can, we'll get on with it. So whatever that timing is, it is it is what it is. But we'll be as quick as possible. We have. How do I say it? It makes no sense for us for it to be delayed. The money's there. The development opportunity is there. We will make money on the stand when, when the club will make money on the stand when, um, when it's finished. There's income waiting there, sitting there. We've got sponsors and box holders that are chomping at the bit. It makes perfect sense. So. But that, our commitment will be we will, we will begin that process as soon as as soon as we can. Yeah, um, I'm seeing a bit of speculation this evening linking John Brady with the managerial vacancy at Huddersfield Town. Um, has there been an approach from them or anyone else for him? Because I'm sure he's attracting attention higher up. I would say, I would say that that website in itself, where the speculation came from, is probably a little questionable in terms of clickbait, trying to trying to drag you in, as we all do. We all clicked it, and we generate some revenue to go and own the website. But yeah, uh, no, there's been there's no foundation that we know of in that in that. You know, it's the first one for John, and for John, yeah, John's done really well. I think he's done well. You know, he will get looked at. You know, but John's under contract, and we've been comfortable with the contracts that our management staff are on. So, as a club, we'll be protected the same as all of us. Hi. Um, don't want to bring back too many bad memories, but um, Barrow. Um, there was a this year. There was a statement made, I think, that you were speaking to the EFL about the outcome of the uh, certain results in certain other games that affected us. Um, has anything ever come of that? It seemed that we were very pro politely told to go away, looking from the outside. No, 
and uh, are the rules regarding end of season games likely to be tightened somewhat so that those sort of situations can't happen again? as well as anything been mentioned about that because obviously that also played a factor in the punishment that Rovers we seem seemed to be very fined. little I think they got fined for that and they got two didn't they close the front two rows of the stands for three games no, or something no, no. But I think they got fined but I would have paid that kind of thing <laughs> I mean, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> there's so much that was wrong in all that situation and we as a club got really hard and then to be honest with you, that was a very, very difficult playoff process because I just think the, the, it, was, it was tough to, to, to recover from that. And you know, things, little things that happened, like Liam getting sent off in the last minute, like a barrow, like, like, that, was, like that, that really affected us, I think, in the playoff games. You know, so, it was, you know, you set up, you go there, you fans would have gone through exactly the same emotions that I did. Fans, we were there on the pitch, we saw fans, we, you know, we, we go 3 0 up, and all of a sudden you're in League One. Like, really, that's the emotion we went for. And then all of a sudden, and I, and I said, and, and, and to be honest, the frustration I think was, is any question, oh, should we go for it? Should we have tried to score more? Should we have done this? Should we have done that? But I, had a, a friend, I know one of the guys from The Guardian, and he said to me, he was at the Bristol Rovers game, and he said they would have scored as many goals. No question, no question. And we've, t we've talked about it internally a bunch of times. And uh, I've got a 17 year old boy, who was probably 16 at the time, was, it, was involved in the academy. And I drove home four and a half hours looking at him going, well, there were seven of you playing against Bristol Rovers. And Bristol Rovers is not a nice place to go in the first place. For senior pros, it's a really tough place. So, you know, the goalkeeper got attacked. You know, these sort of and it was really close to the referee even cancelling the game and you know and, and I felt like you obviously have a I I lay a lot of the blame at Keith Hills. You know, I, I lay it. And, and I'm never excited about someone losing their job, but um, it is what it is in that situation. <laughs> now that we've stopped all the swearing, apologies, no more Scunthorpe or Bristol Rovers, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Thanks, Kelvin. I've got two questions. Uh, one's probably unanswerable, I think. Um, however, I'll start with the first one. Um, I drove past here at probably six o'clock this morning, just as Adam was getting up upstairs. Um, <laughs> and I noticed that all the lights were on, which I think is typical. And obviously, 
um, the club will be well aware of the energy costs uh, situation, um, similar to the energy which has been used in the room this evening. Um, so, so my question really is about what sustainable uh, projects are likely to see in the imminent future for the club as regards things like, I don't know, I mean, I'm surprised football clubs don't put solar panels on the tops of stadiums, for example, um, or EV charges in a car park, things like that. So, um, are there any plans for well, those things? It's a good question to ask. And in fairness, the lights were probably on because of the cleaners, because they come in early. And because all the lights, I believe, most of them are on automatic anyway. I think that's what that green is. We are in conversations about EV charges. Uh, somewhere at the back could actually add a little bit so from our community department, it could possibly add a little bit about our environmental impact. Um, feel free to, to add. I saw you get quite excited when the question got asked. Yeah, thank you, Kelvin. Yeah, I'm Damon Fox, uh, business development manager at the Community Trust and now sustainability lead at the Community Trust. Hello again. Um, yeah, we're um, very excited that we're going to be having a sustainability green day actually at the club on the 29th of October before the Newport game where we'll be promoting a lot of the work that we've been doing out in the community with sustainability for the last 18 months to two years. And then we held our first sustainability meeting in joint with the club and James uh, a couple of Fridays ago, and the next one is in a few weeks' time. So we're already talking about some exciting ideas around sustainability within the club, not just things that you've mentioned, but loads of stuff out in the community and spreading the message around that as well. Did you have another question? Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, I know Damon. <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah, the second one's, as I say, is probably unanswerable, but what's... What's your plan, I guess? Let, let's say everything's done within the five years, hopefully. Um, the club's in Division One, potentially, at that point. Maybe the championship, you never know. Um, so what is Kelvin Thomas and David Bowers' plan once the land is all built on, the club is developed, and you are, I suppose, theoretically, where you want to be? plans evolve. I think we probably thought, I think we've probably been in it longer than we thought initially. Um, when we came, when, when Chris Wilder made the first phone call to us, I didn't think we'd be, I didn't know, you don't know, but with football clubs, we're, we probably are year to year, and that's not always great, but but, our, but we've been on this plan, on this train of we got, we're going to finish the stand, but we're going to do it sensibly, so we're going to, there's a wider development here, which makes sense the plans out there um, and then but just because we finish the stand doesn't change the dynamics and in fact it probably improves the position because we don't have to put as much money into the club on, a, on an annual basis so you know we'll, we'll continue the investment continue improving things or we'll, you know the training ground will, you know that's to me that's one of the bigger things that I think we, we, we hopefully would have achieved and, and then we just, you know, we continue operating as a community football club. Um, we, don't have, we don't have set plans, um, and myself or David, we're not, we're not, you know, we have a very good football club that is run, that is, is embedded in the community from a commercial perspective, from a, from a, from a community trust, from, from our fan base, from our staff. 
Yeah, and, and there's a misconception that I sit here and I control the pieces. I don't. These guys run the club. You know, they run the club and we help strategically and obviously help financially and, and we, we're front of house sort of stuff, but the real work goes on. So, and we're proud of that. We're proud of the fact, you know, we look at the things that we've done that we're very proud of is improvements in the community, training ground, um, obviously the promotions, and, um, and you know, co dealing with the way we dealt with COVID. That, to us, that was a big thing, like the paying staff. These guys are still having jobs, getting paid every week, or every 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 two weeks or a month. I can't remember all the payrolls, but but <laughs> but but that's that's important to us. Those sort of things are important to us. So we're not in any rush to get out. We're not we're not here just for that. We never have been here just for that. So again, it's a false narrative. Oh, they're going to sell. They're going to run off. It's just not true. You can't just run off. First of all, and and. Football clubs are not easy. You know, if you did want to move on and say, oh, okay, I'm, okay, I'm done now, I want to I want to sell up, or we want to, you know, we're, we're preparing for an imminent sale, even if we were doing that, it's not easy to do. Football clubs don't change hands so often. So we'll continue investing, we'll continue being part of the club, and we'll see where it goes. If the fan-led review is successful, and in two years' time, the football club becomes sustainable and we don't have to put money in, then why would we want to necessarily sell it? We might do, we might not. That's two years down the road. And this is the general misconception of this land is that we're going to buy it and we're going to sell it the next day and run off with the money. It's a misconception that's pushed, a narrative that's pushed, but it's not even realistic. It's just not realistic. Development takes a long time. So we said, oh, okay, we've now got all, the, got the, all these acres, we're going to put up warehouses. It's going to take, what, three years? Two, three years, realistically, to, to, to even benefit from the money. So what we're saying is, is we'll, we'll, we'll pay for the stand still, like we said we will, we'll pay for the stand. We just kind of want to know that we are going to possibly get some of that money back. That's all we want to know. It might be three years' time, excuse me. It might be three years' time. Might be two years' time, might be five years' time, but at least, it, at least we know we're kind of going to get some of it back. So, so what's our plan? No idea. I can't tell you what our plan is, but we have plans in terms of internally and infrastructure-wise, and what we do. And James and is always working with the teams to, to, to have a plan. And, and obviously, it's, it stays the same. We want to try and compete at the highest level possible and continue invest invest in the football so that we can do that in a sensible way. We're not. Stockport, we're not going to play, pay the kind of money that's being paid by Stockport because we don't think that's sustainable and we think then the football club gets its own issues. Um, any other questions from the floor? Loads. Hang on, I'll come back. Sorry, who put their hand up? Um, firstly, the um, kickoff times. Yes. Is there any thoughts of changing those because of the. Uh, not at the moment. I don't, no. I don't think it's. I, I think I mean, it's been talked about generally, isn't it? I think it? the media have talked about yeah, it. I, yeah. think, I don't think. I think it's probably been discussed. Uh, I don't think it will be. I don't think there'll be much appetite for it. And there are some things around Article 48 in terms. Of yeah, it is. there's like been a bit of talk of it. I think at yeah. quite low, lower level. Um, um, you know, certainly, yeah. certainly not on the agenda for EFL level. And I think. We all see that sometimes, even if you played at 12 o'clock in December, you'd have the lights on, and then 
And then when you think about, well, you might have a few hundred quid on the floodlights, but you've lost your bar spend for three hours and all the other stuff that go with it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But, I, but possibly at some levels of the game, that there may be some considerations around that. And, and the other thing was, um, I spoke to Tom about it anyhow, but ladies' football shirts, a lot of ladies don't like wearing men's football shirts. Are, any thoughts be, about that? I, I, yeah, I, I put that to James. We've talked about it with, with Hummel a little bit, actually, um, about that. But, but a lot of the feedback is that <laughs> the other side of that is there are quite a lot of women that don't want to wear women's football shirts. They want to wear, they want to wear the men's ones. So um, there was you know, quite a lot of clubs introducing women's fit shirts, um, probably less of it now than there was three, four years ago. But it, look, if there's a demand there and the, the numbers stack up, then we certainly think something we'd look at. Not unless you try it, you won't know. No, I mean, there's no, good. But you can make a judgment. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Hummel, don't forget, Hummel don't. Hummel, that'll be a conversation with Hummel. Hummel don't just work with us. No. They work across all levels of the game, so they would have yeah. knowledge, and they would have, they would be able to give us feedback. It was just on that. something that's been talking about in the bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no. It's, it, it's not feedback that's particularly oh, got to us, but if there is more feedback that way, and it does seem like there's a demand, we can talk to them again about that for sure. And, and again, kits are always difficult. We've been lucky; we've been very successful. But a kit, like when we talk about demand, like it's quite expensive to put together 25 or 50 or 100 run. You know, you've got to be talking in the thousands necessarily. So it's it, it's it's just it's, it's it's a numbers game. And if there is feedback, we'd love you know, would happily consider it. It's like any it's like anything else. We are not against anything that benefits the football club and the fans, and, 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 and by the way, making more money. No, thank you. Uh, just a message for James. The new improvements with the training pitches, how much do you think it'll be an attraction to our to main transfer targets in the future? It, Windows is a clincher. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a consideration now for players that probably wasn't there even maybe five six years ago especially the younger players now who you know some of them may have been at you know premier league cat one academies fantastic training facilities even for the for the academies now so it's definitely a consideration more and more players now before you sign want to come in and have a look at your facilities we've seen a lot more of that um and, and look what we've got at Moulton with the pitches there and it has been a big selling point for us, um, especially this summer. You know, we we beat off quite a few, quite a few of the players we signed. We beat off League One opposition to sign those players um, because they see the club as attractive. But they've been to Mole and they've seen what we've got. They understand that you know that at the end of the day, that's their workplace. That's how they're going to develop. That's how they're going to get better. So, yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's, it's important now to have good training facilities to attract players. Football. We've not much talked much about actual football. Um, this year we've got good management team, good squad, playing great football, great to watch. And for a long time now we've produced a lot of very good young players. But with the exception of Sean McWilliams, we're not really getting these wonderful players regular in the first team. What could we do, if anything, really, so I can come here and watch half a dozen ex-youth players playing on a Saturday afternoon? Um, I think I think 
it's, it's always it always comes around in cycles. Don't forget. So if you look at us now, and you look at we've got some good young players, and, and, and I, I've heard the comments. They should be playing. Yeah, why aren't we playing? did that for a year it didn't really work out so I think we've gone back to the sort of putting them in the squad they're in the squad these players are squad players but you know you it's a conundrum for it's a conundrum for John because he's got to win football matches like oh you know I'll be honest we, the first year we came in and I've said this before I'm sure so I hope I said this before but yeah Chris Chris Warren fantastic man wouldn't have had Sean in his squad because He's saying at 18, Sean wasn't impacting his squad and was taking our money of his squad for the following year. And we were going into League One, obviously, just before he left to go to Sheffield United. But, but and I said at the time, well, this is our first year. We've got to bring somebody through. So let's bring him in and send him out on loan, which we did. And that proved to be successful, and that's what we'll do. The problem we have slightly with, uh, Max is a really good example. He's in between Max, isn't he? He's, 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 a, he's, he's almost there but really Max should be out alone but we also need him so so there's a conundrum with Max 
and, 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 and I think with some of the others, Peter's the same. Now we've got Jack who, and Migs, they both played on Tuesday night. They're out on loan. So we bring them into the squad. They're out on loan. So it's just, it's numbers and, and, and listen, I can, I can assure you, as a club, we want, we would have 11 players that have come through the system. Absolutely. So we do try, but it's not as easy as, as it feels like it should be, or maybe from the outside it looks like. But because you are dealing with people and you are dealing with, you know, development, different development times. We have a we have a technical board which I sit on John Colin, Samo and and Shane who's the 18s coach and you know we sit down with all our young players young pros but also the the scholars as well and decide you know what is their development path some of them you know maybe fast track first team a lot of them will be you know using the loan market we see that that locally them going out on loan like Sean did you know huge part of their development but while they're out on loan they're still training with us generally two three times a week they're monitored we get reports from the managers every week we go watch them we see how they develop as well and it's no different to what you know obviously we've got we've got mark and we've got kieran here from from premier league clubs it's you know a similar model really um but it is hard for the for the players to break through i think statistics say that the average number of um debuts for an efl club is is three a year but if you look in terms of league debuts, it's actually something like 0.6. So, you know, we've certainly smashed those numbers in terms of the Cups, you know, this week. But actually breaking through into into first-team league debuts is, is 0.6 across the leagues, which is, you know, incredibly difficult um, for them to break through. And, yeah, I think, you know, I agree, we'd all love to see as, as many young, local, talented lads develop through to the first team. But... Um, you know, numbers-wise and club-developed players. If you look through the game, you know we're we're probably about average. It is it is incredibly difficult. But I think with the infrastructure we've put in, with the investment, with the help of the owners, what you've seen there, the you know the numbers of staff now in the academy, the good facilities we have, you know the additional first-team coach in Mark Richards who takes um, puts an arm around all the young players as well and helps their transition through from from academy to first-team. We believe we're putting all the building blocks that are needed to be there, um, you know, and hopefully in the future we're gonna we're gonna see the rewards for that. Okay, I've got uh, one question. I think the football side of it is going great at the minute, so congratulations on that. But the car parking is an issue I find now. We've had the big car park closed down in the south. We've only got the north car park left. That's occupied by well fairgrounds and circuses and that now and again. We find it difficult to actually come in when we come from Wellingbo or Royston to park. Um, we've got to get here earlier and earlier, and it was almost full up a couple of weeks ago. Um, as things go forward, if we get more and more successful, get better and better, we're going to have problems parking, and we're having to pay a fair bit of money to park anyway. Um, are there any solutions going forward for that? So yeah, there are some solutions around that to be that we would put into place. And obviously, like we'd like to put some more parking on, attached to the east end. Um, so, and, and and I think the issue is I think we've got issues with disabled parking. I, I think there is a work there's a there's a there's work to be done around tightening our parking up slightly because that 
is the there's so much space in that the disabled car park and again the argument is should the disabled car park be there anyway because everyone all our disabled fans have to come through away fans to get to their seats so that's the conversation around the east end car park that would be more there would be more disabled spaces in there to allow us to do that but then that would open up that car park that end for for a better designed car park so yes, I, I believe that there is a lot of conversation around parking. Yeah, there definitely. I would, and one of the people we won't be talking to is AFC Wimbledon about, about, about what's our solutions around parking. That was shocking. Even for a director, that was shocking. But that's, we'll leave that there. But yeah, there are discussions. Um, Danny Hilton, any news on him? He seems to have disappeared. Amazing, disappeared. Like, oh yeah, he's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's injured. He's injured. Yeah, it's, I, I would. Again, this comes down to, and I, I always, this conversation always interests me. There are some fans. I'm not saying usually, but there are some fans that think that we should give all the information. And I would say, I would like to say, what Danny's situation is on Saturday. I'd love to say, yeah, Danny is that. But John would kill me because you don't want to give the opposition any advantage. So Gareth will always say we'll make the announcement at team sheet time because we have to keep not the fans, just keep the other the opposition because we've got to do everything we can to try and win a game. That's John's job. So so if we are if we feel, people feel that there's nothing untoward un, happen, there's nothing. Um, wrong happening. It's just that we're protecting the information because we're trying to win football matches. Um, and I, early on, when I was early on, we had someone used to go to the training ground, decide to put everything on forums, and I used to go, it makes no sense. Well, because we do it as a club, we check forums of other teams. We check. We try and pick up any information that we can. You know, look at the Derby gate with spying and all that with um, Leeds. Uh, it goes on. So we just have to be protective of information. But Danny's fine. I did watch Danny train today. Me and Graham watched him and were quite impressed with how he trained. But that does not does not indicate whether he will be involved or won't be involved <laughs> on, on the weekend. It does confirm that he didn't disappear, though. He's still around. <laughs> He's still around somewhere. Um, when Martin Foyle left, yes. I was worried sick, I'll be honest. Every day I said to my missus, we've got to get somebody in, we've got to get somebody in. You know. But to be honest, the signings have been fantastic. I'm so pleased, to be honest. You know. And also, I cannot believe there's not one person here who's prepared to get up and say, I'm from the Trust. I cannot believe it, not one person. It's Just nice to, to say that about the recruitment. Yeah, fantastic. Any, any, any yeah. of the bad ones with signs? I was, I was worried sick, absolutely worried sick. But I mean, no, I think, the signings we made, it's brilliant. Was, was, timing wasn't great, but I think it created a, a bigger conversation within a, within the group that said, okay, can we look at this a little bit differently? Because because of that situation, that, that when you are centric on one person, they leave. Suddenly you're looking around going, oh, what do we do now? I think our system now is so much more robust right. and the identification of players is, is more in depth and then but we're also lucky that we have Colin 
who's involved in that process. Yeah, yeah. All the staff are involved in that process. And John is one of the more detailed managers that we've worked with. And we'll, we'll spend a lot of time we're looking and looking at players, you know, and these guys uh, put those players there, but John is very detailed in, and make sure the players are the right fit. So I appreciate those comments. And I don't disagree with your second point, that's for sure. No, because I can't believe it. There'll be a reason for it. I, I, to be totally honest, I'll be honest with you, it'll be my fault. So on recruitment and obviously with Kieran Bowie doing well today for the Scottish under 21s. Yeah, the memo, did it? <laughs> you probably know where I'm going with this then. Are we better protected with the loan players in January this year than we were last year? I don't think we can ever be better protected. I have to say last year we felt we did everything I feel like we could have to keep Kieran. Um, with Kieran Whispers, his loan manager was here, Agent was talked to all the time, etc., etc. That just wasn't. Um, so no, uh, are we better prepared? We are in the sense that we will be more prepared when if they do go back. But we're also hoping that they don't, you know, because I think they've done exceptionally well, and and, um, and 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 long may that continue with us. They're both exceptionally happy with what's going on. Um, and they're playing games and, and they're both get, gaining tremendous confidence. Not that Mark needs any more confidence, <laughs> if I'm honest. He's, he's, certainly, he's certainly got his, got, he's got his fill of confidence. Um, and I'm actually surprised he wasn't called up personally, but, but we'll see. Well, the relationships are there the same as they were really. So it's a market that, it's a market that is, brings its own challenges. But you know, on the flip side, you know, you know, we 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 did lose Kieran, and I think losing Kieran was a, was a, was a was a was a um, a real dampener at the time. But I think we recovered, and you look at the finish of the season was, was exceptional. So I've, I've got trust in the group that we can, if we had to replace, but we're not we're not thinking in those terms. Those players are with us till the end of the year. Fingers crossed. Don't score any more goals for Scotland. <laughs> it was a crap header anyway. <laughs> oh, I'll tell him that. Say again? Yeah, it was crap. It was useless. <laughs> it just hit his head. <laughs> Any other questions from anyone on the floor? I've got a very, I've got a couple of quick ones if you don't mind, just because I've got the power. Um, <laughs> A couple of things that you haven't haven't mentioned, haven't talked about. So, um, the Accrington Stanley chairman Andy Holt, I'm sure you know him fairly well, um, has talked a lot about in the last three years. It feels about streaming, online streaming. Today he was on Twitter talking about um, basically the way that the revenue is distributed among the clubs being, in his words, unfair. Yeah. So I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, out of the £10 that we as punters pay, the club that we're paying, so i.e. we go through the NTFC website, yeah. out of that tenner, £2 goes to the EFL covers costs, £8 goes to the club. Not sure of the details. Okay. James, James, James is better with you. But what you. I think the point you're going to say is, about, yeah. is there a conversation <coughs> about changing that? And, and, and as, long, as well as the email from the EFL about next Thursday in terms of the fan-led review, 
I got an email from Phil and Steve, which is, who I know well, and 26 clubs who wrote it. And um, there is a discussion about how do we share that revenue. And I actually haven't read the email, but because during COVID we shared it differently. And one of Phil's big points is, is there's that, that, so there's costs on both sides. I think that's Phil's point, isn't it? There's there's costs. You probably haven't read it either because you wouldn't have time. But there's costs for both clubs to put. So there should be some sharing with the away club as well. Um, and and but the, the home club. I have to get this right, but I think it was more to do with the fact because the home club have all the costs, then the because the away club. Uh, you say, say, you're, say it's Northampton versus AFC Wimbledon and, um, at, at Wimbledon and um, on a cold Tuesday night when it's raining and no parking. But, <laughs> but, but, I wouldn't know, I watched it at home. <laughs> so you would have, you would have, would you, you would have paid that to Northampton as a Northampton subscriber so Wimbledon wouldn't have got any of that. But in reality, Wimbledon have got all the costs to that. So is that a fair system? So I think the question, I'm surprised Andy said something because he's normally quite quiet, Andy. He normally keeps his opinions to himself. But he's right in the sense there needs to be further conversation about it. So, so I probably wouldn't say it as aggressively as Andy normally, but. Their justification for that argument is, well, how many of those people sat at home, watched the streaming, would have gone to the game? So would have then contributed to those costs? Now. Some people will say some of them would have gone, some people say you're going to go or you're not going to go, and it's additional income. So we seem to discuss it. We actually voted on it in the summer it, per division, so each division got to vote. Which Now, you can't stream anything at 3 o'clock on a Saturday because of Article 48 blackout, but other than that, all the games on bank holidays, all the games midweek, all the games during the World Cup, we got to vote whether we thought they should all be streamed or certain ones should, certain ones shouldn't, certain ones could be the home club's discretion. As lead to democratic vote, we all voted streamers, many of the games as possible, and we voted to keep the current mechanism of, of how the funding goes, but they obviously want to rewind the clock a little bit now or look at it in the future. So I think that debate will go on, and that there'll be arguments for and against. I mean, because of, you know, you being not based but from or florida is partly your home you'll obviously be more aware of it than than i will but the american sports and the way that they sell their streaming packages maybe like you can you can subscribe for a season to one nfl team or to a region or there's a lot of conversation mm. around streaming currently because of article 48 and the three o'clock blackouts and whether that's even appropriate now and covid changed a lot of thinking around that and and I think, and I think the fan-led review will delve into those areas as well. And I think it's, I think for the quote-unquote bigger clubs, it's a big, you know. It's a, I was just listening to, I just started listening to David Dean's book about the. I don't know if anyone's read it yet, but it's actually quite interesting. It's worth a read in terms of or a listen because it talks about the, the Premier League and how that started, and and how the TV revenues were split a bit differently at the start with ITV because ITV were prior to B Sky B with the Football League and um, it talks about the top five getting more money than everyone else and that created some real problems with it. So the bigger clubs especially, and Mel, Mo Mel Morris at Derby, former Derby chairman, was a big proponent of the bigger clubs should get a bigger slice of streaming or they should be able to stream themselves. So big conversation. About it, definitely.
I think, you know, going back EFL meetings probably five years ago, same rooms, and everyone was petrified of streaming like this. This is going to kill football. This is going to stop people going to football games. And and actually, through we had it a little bit then, a few Tuesday night games, and then we had COVID. We've come back. I mean, crowds across the board were, were slightly down, but pretty good. Our, our crowds were up last season. But we also made decent money out of, out of streaming as well. So I think people have now seen a starting to change their views a little bit is you know what we can we can do both it could it can be good for supporters and good for the for the football clubs as well um you know there's some discussions around the the production and can the production be better than the one camera that we've got at the minute and that'll all be part of it but you know i think we'd all agree that that streaming does have a, a place to play in the game brilliant lovely um one last question from i say from me it was sent to me by somebody who couldn't be here so these figures might be wrong don't blame me. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it says uh, we will receive. This is the bit. Seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds from the sale of Carney Chukwemeka to Chelsea. Um, will a percentage of that money go back into the academy? Oh, that's a good question. What on top of the money we put in the academy every year? Interestingly, it's not, the number's not right, but it's, it's actually. We might actually even eventually do better than that over a period of time. And that ended up being a, an interesting period for us as a football club because you ended up watching you ended up watching Villa's team sheet very closely at certain times. And, so, and, now, and now you're actually watching Chelsea's team sheet quite closely. Um, but no, it was a good deal, you know, in terms of the club and it was it was a strange one. And I'm really pleased with Carney because he's he's a he's a really good player. Yeah, we didn't know that it was one of the first deals that we did and it wasn't EPPP deal, and so it was set in terms of what, what what we would get eventually if things went well, and they obviously went well. And I can't say, I can't comment on the number because we are tied into very strict confidentiality in terms of the finances. And I certainly don't want to get get sued personally or as the club. Um, but um, we fund the academy quite a bit. It, it is, is uh, the academy costs us money every year, and it's. There's a benefit to it, and the, these are the benefits that, that come along with that. Um, so, I think the reality is it will go. It will go back. It won't be like okay, we're going to take that amount of money and put it over here. It will be part. It goes all into the general pot of, of the football club, and it will be used as as we as as we see fit in terms of where the investment needs to go. I would say more and more probably we would it would be used as some of the money to offset some of the training ground stuff more than anything else, because I think that's probably an important, more important aspect of what the club needs at the time, etc. So, but no, it was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a decent deal. I just wish it would was the same. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Look, thank you so much to you three guys for taking your time in your evening. Uh, away from your families and anybody else um, for coming here and speaking to the fans. I think that is, you know, it, it shows that you are willing to do that. Tom is always available on a match day when he's not in here doing stand-up bingo. Um, to be fair, we thank you as well because, you know, it, it's an independent podcast and I'm sure a lot of people listen to it in here. And we like, I like the fact that we have an independent podcast because it does keep us on our toes a little bit because I have listened now and again and... We don't always get the, you know, we don't always get the rub of the green, shall we say. But one thing I say about Charles is, is um, he's expecting, I believe, I understand. He, 
him, he's, he's not him, his wife. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> his, uh, his wife is expected, and, and very soon as well. So you taking out, taking your time out to come and help organise this. And I'll obviously mention the other three that aren't here. No, I wouldn't bother. Okay, so, uh, well, I'm actually mentioning them because they aren't here. Is the, is the issue? So, 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 and I thank everyone for coming out. You know, it's obviously we, we were trying to do this two weeks ago. It was a very sad occasion, and, and it was right at the time, basically. And I appreciate people that came travelled last week or two weeks ago. And um, but you know, we appreciate. And, and from a football club, from our perspective, you know, it is about it is about we the football club isn't just about the fans, it isn't about the stand, it isn't about the footballers, it isn't about the managers, everybody. We're a community, we're a family, we're a community club. And we've seen that more so as a club in the last sort of six weeks than, than we have done for a long time in terms of what's affected us as a club personally with some of with one of our staff members. And and the, the way the club reacted and the way that we reacted and the way that everyone reacted was, was 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 wonderful to watch. And we can't ever underestimate, no matter what we, some of the, the, the battles we go through or whatever, and there's, there is a bigger picture here, and the bigger picture is us as a community club, and that's what we do. And, and we don't always get it right, but with the help of the staff and, and the fans and everything, it, we're all right, we're not bad, we're not bad. So thank you as well, Scott. Yeah, thank you very much, everybody, for, for coming tonight. It's been a pleasure having you and uh, facilitating the evening. If I can ask you all to do one thing. Sorry, we'll be around as well, to be honest, if you want to ask any more questions. Um, you, know, you want to ask something privately, that's fine. To about 10 minutes anyway. <laughs> no, the only thing I was going to say, if you can all get your phones out and just go to footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting and... Uh, vote for uh, It's All Cobblers to Me for the best podcast football league. That would be, uh, be amazing. Thank you very much, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed the evening. Thank you.